Well, good afternoon, everybody. Today is January the 11th, 111, uh, 2024. And you are on uh, Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards. And I am Father Larry Richards. <laughs> Aren't you excited? Anyway, it's good to be here with you today uh, in the second week. Oh my gosh, is it second week, third week of the year, uh, year already? Anyway, so um, welcome. First thing we got to do is pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, help us to truly be people of faith, to be transformed by our faith in you, to allow you to take complete control of every part of our lives, that we may give you glory, because we know that it's only in faith that we can please you. And faith is your gift. So we ask for that gift and we ask you to help us to surrender fully that we may live by faith, that our whole lives may be dictated by faith, that we may please you, Father. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' holy name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father and the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, welcome. Today, uh, again, I just... Uh, before I forget, we're, uh, I'm going to be gone all next week. I'm getting out of here for a week uh, to get my head back on right and do what I need to do um, to reboot everything. So uh, I'll be praying for you and pray for me, uh, but I will be away next week on a uh, vacation, if you will. Or I've been writing a little bit of my book every day, and so Hopefully, in this 2024, I'll get the book uh, completed. Um, so, very excited about it. Very excited about doing nothing um, for a while. And then I'll be back, God willing, the following week. Okay, so today we come, and I just got done uh, being with my bishop. Um, and I told people you could watch, and it was a good meeting. He was good to me. Um, we still have nothing in, there's nothing in concrete about what the future holds. Um, so that's all I'm going to say and all I can say. But, uh, you know, it'll all work out. Whatever happens, uh, I'm trusting is God's will. So thank you for those of you who prayed today. Uh, it was a good meeting. Um, so... That's all I can say about that. So today, uh, I want to focus on, before we take questions and answers, what we are talking about today in the readings, if you watched Mass. And if you didn't watch Mass, I will go back and we'll redo the readings because I want to talk about faith today. And I want to talk about the power of faith and true faith and fake faith, if you will. And so we go back to today is Thursday, the 11th, one eleven. And um, the first reading, of course, is from the book of Samuel. Uh, even though my spirit's directing me, he says, no, it's not Samuel, but it was Samuel. And uh, we'll just summarize this, but it talks about the Philistines gathered for an attack on Israel. Israel went and engaged them in the battle and camped at Ebenezer. Well, the Philistines camped at Aphrak. The Philistines drew up in battle formation against Israel, and after a fierce struggle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who slew about 4,000 men on the battlefield. When the troops retired to the camp, the elders of Israel said, 
Why has the Lord permitted us to be defeated today by the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the Lord from Shiloh and may bring it into battle amongst us and save us from the grasp of our enemies. So the people went to Shiloh and brought from there the ark of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned upon the cherubim. The two sons of Eli, Hophi and Phinehas, were with the ark of God. And when the ark of the Lord arrived in the camp, all Israel shouted loudly that the earth resounded. The Philistines, hearing the noise of the shouting, asked, what can this loud shouting in the camp of the Hebrews mean? On learning that the ark of the Lord was brought into the camp, the Philistines were frightened. They said, gods have come to us in their camp. They said, woe to us. This has never happened before. Woe to us. Who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods? These are the gods that struck the Egyptians with various plagues and with pestilence. Take courage and be manly, Philistines. And so fight manually, manfully. The Philistines fought and Israel was defeated. It was a disastrous defeat in which Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The Ark of God was captured. And Eli's two sons, Hophi and Phinehas, were among the dead. So, here's one view of faith. This arrogance, this God's going to be on our side, it's God's going to get them, we're going to win, da-da-da-da-da. We'll see. Then we go to the gospel. And in the gospel, we also hear about faith. And this is from Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 45. A leper came to Jesus and kneeling down, begged him and said, If you wish, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched the leper and said, I do will it, be made clean. And the leprosy left him immediately and he was made clean. Then warning, them sternly to di- warning him sternly to dismiss, he dismissed him at once. Then he said to him, See that you will not tell anyone anything, but go show yourself to the priests and offer your uh, cleansing that Moses prescribed. And then it goes on. So we have these two visions of faith. And it's important for today, too, because, again, I think we have these two different visions of faith. And one has been proven real by the fruit, and one has been proven false by the fruit. So we focus for a moment on the Old Testament from Samuel. The people, the, the people are warriors. Like I deal a lot with men and they always say, it's a war, Father, it's a war. We gotta be in this war and we gotta fight and we gotta defeat everybody. And I always keep uh, telling them that the, the way God dealt, this is not the Old Testament, we're talking about the Old Testament, but the way de- God dealt with it in the New Testament is God took all the evil in the world and he died on the cross for it. He didn't go out and kill everybody for it. He went and died for it. So here's, we see the, what's happening when grace comes upon everything. But let's look here. Here's Phineas, Hopi, and Phineas was a good, he was like a saint of the Old Testament. He is the one who, uh, when people are desecrating uh, the temple 
and they were, uh, one guy was having sex, excuse me, with a temple prostitute in the middle of the temple, not our temple prostitute, but of course another one. Phineas went up and while they were doing it, took a spear and while they were going at it, speared them as one person through the both of them and killed them. And God looked at him and said, see my, the zeal of Phineas. I used to love to tell that story to my boys anyway, but it's called the zeal of Phineas. And so here's Phineas, this holy man who's truly trying to live and do everything for God. God even calls him out how great he is for it. So now they're losing battle. So they think, okay, God's on our side. We'll bring God. Now, again, this is the Ark of the Covenant. It's like us bringing the tabernacle. Um, if you ever saw that one Jesuit movie at the end when they're all fighting and the, the priest, I forget what it's called. But anyway, the priest is holding the monstrance and they shoot him and he dies. And one of the uh, other people bring up, hold up the monstrance. And it's that type of thing that God's on our side and you're all going to get it. And today in the church and in the world and in politics, that's the way we use Christianity. We rep weaponize it. God's on our side. He's going to get all you people that are evil. You watch. And then the God of humility is captured. His, the, the Ark of the Covenant is captured, and the priests are killed, and thousands are killed with them. So this is the faith that has to do with selfishness, the faith that has to do with God is on our side, and he's going to destroy everybody else. God does not like to be used in that manner. Then we get someone of true faith. And true faith, like so the faith we see here today had to do with arrogance, had to do with presumption. It had to do with selfishness. God will take care of us. And we will use it kind of like using God as a divine rabbit's foot, like a superstition that God's going to have to do this for us. And God will not. He is not our lackey. He is not our slave. God does what he wills. And so when you get to the God of the universe in the gospel today, what does the beggar do? He sits there and he humbles himself before him. Humility is very important. He humbles himself before Jesus and he makes an act of faith. Begging, it says, Lord, if you wish, you can heal me. And Jesus said, of course I wish it. Be healed. Isn't that fantastic? But you see the difference is humility, 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 and faith. That is the most powerful combination on this earth. When we lose either faith or humility, we're dead in the water. We need to be men and women who when we come before God, do it humbly and do it with faith. Humbly that, you know, God, you are God and you can do anything and I'm not worthy of anything, but I trust that you can do anything in my regard. So I'm telling God that I know that he can do anything, but I'm humbly bowing before him, coming before him, begging him for something. And God always answers those types of prayers. God is close to those type people because you've got to remember who God is. He is the audacity of humility, the God the universe cannot contain, way beyond all the stars, all the universes, all the galaxies, humbled himself and became a man and then let 
his people whom he created. Kill him to pay for their sins. Isn't it amazing? God chose to be killed by the people he was going to die for to save those very people. That's the humility of God. Again, that's why when St. Augustine was asked, and you've heard it a million times from me, what are the three greatest virtues? The first one is humility. The second one is humility. The third one is humility. <sighs> when we pray, do we pray with humility? And do we pray with faith? That's the thing that's heard, and that's the thing that brings us healing. But I feel today whether it's first in the, the church where the divisions and that come, that the people that are screaming most against the Pope or most against the way we're going, there is not one ounce of humility. It's all arrogance. It's all pride. It's all God is on our side and God's going to get all these evil people instead of God wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of his truth. Instead of, I will take the penalty for their sins. Instead of, I will fast for them so that they can be saved. I mean, it's really, honest to goodness, I, this bothers me a lot. As you can tell, I've been talking about it a lot. I, can, I just am so heartbroken that so many people who call themselves good Catholics are so filled with their own pride, presumption, arrogance, that they would go against the Holy Father in God's name. And again, that's what they were trying to do in the Old Testament, not go against the Holy Father, but making God a warrior instead of God who dies for us. Jesus is the fullness of the incarnation of God. He's the fullness of God. He shows us who God is, period. Everything else was glimpses into God in the Old Testament. Everything was a glimpse into God. Jesus shows us who God is. And God is one who pays the penalty for injustice for the people who hurt him, who sinned against him. Don't you get it? This is who God is. We all deserve eternal damnation. And God says, I love you. I want to save you. What am I going to do? I know. I'm going to become one of you. And then I will die and pay the penalty for your sins. This is who God is. And when we have a pope that talks about this God of mercy, we need to be following suit we need to be saying, this is who I want to be. Why? Because this is who God is. God is not the one who just sits there and says, America is the greatest of all things, and I'm going to bless you, but I'm going to get the rest of them. Please, if you even have that in your mentality, there's something terribly wrong. God is not an American. God loves every single person in the world. Everyone. Every single one. He doesn't like one people more than another. Now, in the Old Testament, he said he liked the Jews better than the other, but then the Jews rejected him. And so he started a new reality in the person of Jesus, and he created the church. Now, he doesn't reject the Jews now. He loves them. He loves everybody. He loves the Muslims. He loves the atheists. He loves everybody. 
and he does everything in his power as God to save everybody. There isn't one person God created who he doesn't love. There isn't one person that God, when he looks in their eyes, doesn't love them. And so we are called to have the mind and the heart of God, to love everybody without condition, period. Doesn't mean we don't punish them of things, but we still love them without condition. If we put conditions on love, it's not love anymore. Don't we get it? God is love, and we got to be responding to that God of love. And the way that he calls us to respond is in humility and in faith. And after we respond in humility and faith, then we live that faith by how we obey him, by how we reach out and become instruments of salvation. Isn't it what you want to be? Don't you want to be an instrument of salvation to people, to bring all people to Christ? Huh? Now again, let's go to the Old Testament. When Jonah was called to preach to Nineveh, he, he didn't want to do it. Why? Because he didn't want Nineveh to be saved. When he goes over to Nineveh and he preaches, they all convert. And now he gets mad because God doesn't kill them. See, it, aren't we like that sometimes? That we go against all these people we don't agree with and they're all great sinners and we say, God, get them. And then God forgives them. Ah, what do you mean you're going to forgive them? Aren't you going to get them, God? He wants them in heaven. And I see that we get like that when we forget that when we're telling God to get them, we're also telling God to get us because we have sinned, because we deserve eternal damnation because of our sins, because of our judgments. Um, again, how many times have I responded again just this week with the people who are saying all these things and I, like, like everybody was going against the Holy Father again. I would just sit there and say, shame on you. Just shame on you. May God judge you forever the way you've judged our Pope, the vicar of Christ. May God judge you the same way. <gasps> and they go nuts because we want to throw stones, but we don't want anybody to throw stones back at us. We want to call everybody to justice, but we just want mercy for us. You see the faith that God is calling us to? A faith of trust and a faith of humility. Again, God wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of his truth. You got that. That's the, that's the uh, a dogma of the faith, that God wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of his truth. Do you want everyone to be saved. Everyone, those who hurt you, those who abused you, those who sit there and uh, um, did all kinds of stuff against you. Do you want them to be saved? Do you want them to sit next to you forever in heaven? I'm asking for a friend. Jesus is my friend. Do you want them in heaven? Because God does. Will you do everything in your power to get them to heaven? or you bring and try to bring the judgment of God, you do realize you can only be an instrument of peace. You cannot be an instrument of judgment. Why? Because God forbid it. Did he not? Judge not, Jesus said. The measure with which you measure be measured back to you. So God doesn't give us that desire, that want, or the power to judge. He will judge everybody. He allows us, though, to be instruments of salvation. The way God left and became a man and came to this earth and died for our sins, 
He wants us to learn to be instruments of salvation. And again, the very simple thing, think about how many people we've judged and hope don't get there because we want God to get them and how many people we have actually brought to salvation as we talked about last week. How many people have you brought to salvation? And again, when we stand before God and we haven't brought anybody in, but we've judged everybody because they weren't living God's will, it's not going to be a good day for us. So now's the time we have to let the Lord convict us and sit there and say, okay, God, you got to change my heart. I need to repent. You know, we're all selfish. I'm the most selfish person sometimes. I think about it all the time. I ask God to change my heart, to help me to love him more, to help me to love his people more. And then I get caught up into all my own garbage. It's just part of the reality. I repent, I get up, and I say, God, may I be more other-centered all day today. Help me to forget about myself. And then uh, my day's planned, and then someone asks to see me or wants to meet. I have to run to the hospital or something, and I get irritated in my heart because that wasn't part of my plan. And God says, uh, your plan was to do my will today, wasn't it? Well, yes. Well, this is my will. <sighs> okay. And it, again, I do it. But inside, I grumble sometimes. Sometimes I grumble outside too. I still do it. But it's still, I'm, I, I want to be able to constantly be free of me. Just free of me. So that I desire more than anything just to do God's will and to get out of the way. So, the faith that Jesus calls us to today is a faith of humility and a faith that trusts him, that God is good, that God doesn't want to, you know, like he could sit there and say, well, I want you to suffer because it's good to suffer. And I, again, some people think that the God of the universe just likes us to carry up our crosses. Now he does carry, and let's deal with this for a second. I was dealing with my spirits directies today. And I says, don't you get it? that what God calls us to isn't an easy bed that we get to sleep on. He calls us to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross, and to follow in his footsteps. Now, again, some people interpret that as denying yourself, picking up your cross, that we got to do all this penance, and we got to suffer, and we got to do all these things, because that's the way to get to heaven. And I believe it's the opposite, because all that suffering and that usually keeps us focused on ourselves and our pain. But what God is calling us when he calls us to deny our very self means to put other people first. That's an act of love. When he calls us to pick up the cross, that's an act of love because, again, let's go to the cross. Again, how many times have I pointed at this cross and says there's not one thing on that cross about Jesus. It was all about God the Father and us. So when he calls us to pick up the cross, it's not about picking up the crosses of my, my cold or my pain or my suffering. It's part of that, but it's picking up my cross of denying myself to live my life for other people. So when he says, and you follow in my footsteps, that we live the life that Jesus lived. What kind of life did Jesus live? He went out of his way for the poor. He wouldn't hang out with the religious people. Again, as I've talked about, we sometimes in our Catholicism and our Christianity, we like to hang out with the people that Jesus avoided and we avoid the people Jesus hung out with. I do it too, but that isn't God's call for me. That's the call it has to go deeper. I have to change, revert, convert, 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 that I reach out and live for the poor and I do all these things. That's the type of people. So when God says, 
No one can be my disciple unless he denies himself, picks up his cross, and follows in my footsteps. That takes an act of faith, huh? It takes humility that when I deny myself instead of what's Jesus going to do for me if I follow him, that that means I'm going to give away my life for others. When I go to the cross, I will suffer for the good of others. And it's not just a suffering of pain, of you know, I'm sick and so I'm going to offer it up for poor souls. It means that I want to go and do nothing. And God's calling me to give away my life in another way today. Huh? And that's that picking up the cross. And then the follow in the footsteps again. I am just living my life the way Jesus lived. So if Jesus looks at my life, if others look at my life, Am I living a life that Jesus lived? Huh? Would I always be going out of my way for myself, buying the best for myself, neglecting the poor, or giving grudgingly to the poor, judging the world that don't live up to me, thinking that my nation is much better than any other nation? Am I living the life that Jesus would live? When people look at me, do they see the person of Jesus Christ? Or do they see just a loudmouth priest named Father Larry Richards? Huh? I had, uh, as an aside, one of my, a bunch of my uh, people and kids went up to Seek. And Seek is a fantastic thing. And there's Father uh, Michael Schmitz, who's one of the, the best priests in the country. He's just a very, very good priest. But uh, I hear I wasn't there because they think I'm too old for this, as I've talked about before. But anyway, um, I was, uh, my, one of my people came back, and she was my youth director and everything for a long time. And so Father Mike Schmitz was sitting there asking, uh, uh, he was talking to the youth directors up there at SEEK. And so he says, in the midst of things he's talking, he goes, uh, does anybody know Father Larry Richards? And uh, Stacia says, yes, he's my pastor. Does anybody else know Father Larry Richards? Yes, yes. So you can tell they're the older people that know me, not the younger people. But anyway, he says, well, this is from Father Larry Richards. It's not from me. It's from Father Larry Richards. I haven't talked to him. We are going to have a talk. <laughs> anyway, he says, it's from Father Larry Richards. It's not from me. And then he says, Father Larry Richards and I were at a talk together, doing a talk, and we had to shorten it down for whatever reason. And Father Larry got up, and he was talking to the ministers. And he says, let me tell you something, people. You either pray an hour a day or get the hell out of ministry. Now, does that sound like something I'd say? Yeah, it was. And so he says, now, I, I didn't say that. Father Larry Richards said that. So it's Father Larry Richards said it, not me. But he says, he's not wrong. huh? So it's good to be able to sit there, and I guess to, that I'm the strong one, that I have to go and make those type statements. But I do that because I just think that, we need to be praying more. We need to be humble more. We need to be judging a whole hot, lot, lot less. And we need to be focused on serving and doing God's will. And when we're not, we need to allow the spirit of the living God to confront us, to convict us in our heart so that we can change. Huh? <laughs> and that's the call for all of us to do and to be Jesus in the world. Again, everybody asks you the same thing, sir or ma'am. I would like to see Jesus. And we got to show the world Jesus. 
the world will not be converted by Father Larry Richards from will not the world will not be converted by a great man, Bishop Barron. The world will not be converted by Pope Francis. It will not be converted by Father Michael Schmitz. The only one that will convert the world is God, Jesus, his grace. And God will use us if we can get the heck out of the way and say, use me, Lord. Help me to get out of the way. Help them to see you and not me. Help me to die so much to self that I no longer live, that you live inside of me. And if we all start focusing on that and getting out of the way and wanting to show the world Jesus, think about how fast the world would change. But no, I'm so sad at the Catholic Church right now for the people that fight with each other over true Catholicism instead of being more concerned about bringing others to Jesus. It's just sad. There was one guy, at, uh, again, we'll be nameless. It was, I'm on um, um, TikTok now to try to bring younger people to Christ. And so this guy was going, and he's a speaker, and uh, ultra-conservative speaker, and he was asking the people who are commenting on my stuff, are you Catholic? And if they'd say, yes, I've been Catholic my whole life, well, you should come to my website again. He wasn't inviting them to Jesus. He was inviting them to his interpretation of Jesus. So I blocked him. But anyway, because again, we all need to be focusing on Jesus, as I talked about last week. It's all Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's not me, not my opinion, not the way I see the church, not the way. And again, when we are fighting about that, it just shows we're not focused on Jesus. It is, you can tell a truth, truth yeah. You can tell a tree by its fruit. Is our fruit Jesus? Is it my opinion? Is it trying to get people to see the church the way I see it? Is it trying to get people to hate the Pope? If it's all those things, it's not Jesus. So it's not of Jesus. So when we're talking about faith, we're talking about the humility that we all must have. Humble ourselves, humble ourselves, humble ourselves. Have faith in Jesus and point to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Not to me, not to my opinion. Got it? Get it? Gonna live it? Patreon knows love today and forever. Amen. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to go to the questions and that now. And uh, this is where I always get in trouble, you do realize. Uh, some people live for this part of the thing. We're almost ready. We're sitting there. Excuse me. We haven't started the Estovir a podcast yet because we still don't have the right internet here to handle the bandwidth of uh, having two different people speak at the same time. We, I tried it with uh, Justin Fatika, but we only got 15 minutes. The rest of it became a mess. So uh, the Estovir stuff is going to be coming hopefully soon. It won't come in the next two weeks with me being gone, but it's going to be coming and I'm going to have some uh, a great uh, people there. You know, hopefully it, it, in all different kinds of uh, opinions and insights and different things. So I'm really looking forward because I think that this, again, I'll do this about once a month, but this is just about run its course. So we need to focus on other things. And uh, uh, But again, we'll still come back to this, but just not as often. The, the uh, 
the Estuvir be a man will be once a week and this uh, anchored in hope will go down to about once a month then okay so let's go here and start harry you're first again harry good job good evening father and all harry one you might like mondu i don't know french harry i don't even know english well haven't you figured that out yet um hello father larry hi everyone angela says i'm watching from sunny california Happy to be here with all you today. Great. Harry, first time, first line of the prayer. Thank you for uh, explaining this, Harry. First line of the first prayer in the prayer book of 1865, authorized by Bishop Bernard Bougies of Limoges. There you go. And again, I'm a big one about uh, uh, having our own prayers to God, being in this personal intimacy with God. And so sometimes it's uh, important to say uh, prayers to other people but I always think that as long as that leads us to our own prayers and talking with God one-on-one and listening to him. Hello, Father Larry. I hope you are well. I am, Steve. Thank you. As translated, my God, I give you my heart. Dine it to join it with yours. Thank you, Harry, for explaining that. Uh, the lady is crazy. Boy, I haven't seen you. I heard seen you in a long time. Lady is crazy. Father, how'd your meeting go? Uh, like I said, it went pretty good. We still don't know what's happening, but at least it was a, a, a good meeting. Um, we all got along well, which was very good. Um, good afternoon, all from California. Another one praying for you, Father Larry, and everyone. David, Father, why did Israel lose the fight when they had the tabernacle with them during the battle in the first reading? Exactly. It was all superstition. It was all trying to make God do their will. And God doesn't do our will. We need to bend it to his, and that's where humility comes from. There wasn't one act of humility in that whole thing. That's why they lost, and they should have lost. Because, again, if we don't have the humility, God, uh, that's the one thing that God does, and he demands it from us. He just does, and we need to learn that. Ora pro nobis, pray for us. Hi, Father, did the meeting go out to Bishop? Yes. Honky tonk, Johnny. The Pope gave a plenary indulgence. What's the difference between that reconciliation and last rites? If our indulgence for someone in purgatory that received last rites, aren't they forgiven already? Yes, yes, and yes. Okay, we've dealt with this before, but let's deal with it again because it's been a while. An indulgence is that which Jesus did on the cross. He paid for everybody's sins. And that grace is given to the church also to give. So when a person uh, is forgiven of their sins, the grace of forgiveness is given to them by what Jesus did on the cross. Now, everything that Jesus did, he forgives us, but we still need to bring justice to the body that we have hurt. So again, I've used the example, if you come and you break the windows in my car, pagan, and then you come to me and say you're sorry, and I forgive you. You have, you do not have to pay for the windows of my car. Well, you do have to pay that. It's, the, the, the analogy is, uh, goes before that. You will not have to go to jail. You will not pay the penalty for breaking all the windows of my car. But you got to pay for the windows of my car. There'll be no punishment. All you have to do is bring healing to that which you have hurt. Okay. So, a plenary indulgence is the church takes its money, if you will, which grace is, 
and pays for the windows for you. So when you go to confession, Jesus covers you with his blood and he forgives you. Then the indulgences, which is still Jesus, but it's given to the church, gives you the gift of an indulgence and pays for those sins, if you will. Brings, and it does more than pay because Jesus paid for the sin, but it's bringing healing back. So for instance, let's say I go and I steal a million dollars from you. I say, I'm sorry, and you forgive me. And I'm totally forgiven. But if I'm really sorry, I want to bring and give you that million dollars back. And that's what the church does. So a plenary indulgence is full remission. So all the penalty is paid for. Partial indulgence is part of the things paid for. And again, this is theological ways that we explain things. It's grace and it all pales in comparison to what, what's really happening. So when a person dies, if they're in heaven, then we get a plenary indulgence for them that would go to someone else who needs it because that's how God works in his justice. That's why it's always important. So I hope that helps you. Okay. Praise him as inexhaustible mercy. Can you tell us where to get the document the people are misinterpreting, claiming that Pope ordered priests and bishops to bless same-sex unions? Yeah, all you have to do is go to the Vatican thing, and it's on, uh, just put, Google it. That's what I do. Google uh, the original document on same-sex blessings, and it's uh, uh, same-sex blessings or uh, unions. It is not a blessing of the union. It's a blessing of people in unions, Okay. Again, that's altogether different. Like, let's say, uh, let's just say your parents are in irregular marriage. That means they're not married in the church. And a lot of you might have that. Or one of your kids are in irregular marriage. And uh, they're living together. They have five kids, but they're not married in the church. So objectively, they're outside of uh, uh, the teaching of the church. Objectively, they're in mortal sin. Objectively, I'm not saying it's in actuality. And so, would you not want me to bless those your children, or you want me to stay back and say, no, I can't bless them. They're living in sin. I bless them so that they're given the grace to stop living in sin. So that's what it is. So you don't say, well, I'm not going to bless couples that are in union because I'm really blessing the union. Not true. I am blessing the couple so they can get out and make that union either right or again, like there are homosexuals I know who have been together for 40 years, they stopped having sex 20 years ago. So we can bless them because they are not living in sin anymore because they're not having sex. And that's the sinful part. Two men or two women can be madly in love. huh? But it's when they carry these things out sexually that it becomes uh, wrong because no life can come out of it. It's a, it's a selfish act. huh? So... Uh, it's only about we're learning, we're blessing people so they can come to conversion. Again, it comes to the humility of wanting everyone to be saved, not wanting those people that are living in a sin to be damned by a God who hates sinners. Really? The God who hates sinners who became one of us and then became sin on the cross to save us? Are we talking about the same God? I swear that some people never have got to know the Jesus of the Gospels. The Jesus who died for us. They, you know, I've had Catholic speakers. It's all about the Old Testament. There's very little New Testament ever, ever spoken 
and they pull out a sword and they want to kill people in the name of God, please. You want to die in the name of God to save somebody. Now I'll listen to you because that's a real man. Being a man who wants to kill everybody in God's name, you're no different than a Muslim. If you're following radical Muslims, I'm talking about not real Muslims, the radical ones. We have radical people too, but you're no different. You know, so again, we got to sit there and what did Jesus do? He came and died for sin. We need to do the same. Okay. I saw it somewhere, but do not remember where it came from, actually. Again, they, someone talked about it down there, Jamie. Uh, fiducius suppliance. I don't, uh, I don't know Latin well, and I don't pronounce it well either. That's why I never do it, but it's talking about blessings. Hi, Carol. There is a site in the document. It's in every language. Scroll down. You'll find it in English. There you go. Nothing came up of your message, but not the documents. Vatican uh, .va is the Vatican website. Do you know the name of the document there? Yeah, thank you. And you came out with it, Jamie. Good job. Um, thanks for doing that. It helps me a lot when you people do that kind of stuff in the comments. Thank you for doing that. Is your sufferings victory or are they yours? Well, if your sufferings are just for you, they're not victory. If they're used for others, like there are what we call uh, uh, victim souls, and that means they're suffering, but they offer that up for somebody else, for their good, for their trend. Then that's true victory. Again, Jesus dying and being persecuted, if it was just for himself, it would be nothing. But remember, uh, when I loved one to do my passion talk, when I talk about when Jesus was scourged, we quote Isaiah, and it says, it was our sufferings that he bore. Upon him lies the chastisement that makes us whole. By his stripes, we are healed. That Jesus did all that suffering for us. If it would have been just for him because he was sticking up for what he believed in, it would have been a selfish reality. People do that all the time. For everywhere, they stand up for what they believe in and they die. The difference with Jesus is he wasn't standing up for what he believed in only. He was standing up and paying a price for us who were killing him. You see how different this is, how different Jesus is, and how different we must be. Okay. Um, is the link showing above? I've been showing it. I posted the wrong link in the other message when I just posted. Thank you. Thank you. Father Mike Schmitz is great. He is fantastic. I have a lot of respect for him. I do. He's a good, good man. So it's uh, Father Michael Dank, and so are you. Thank you. Often Father Michael Dank's a good guy, too. Absolutely. Often forward your Facebook messages to friends and family. Thank you, Carol. Bruce, in my daily devotional upper room today, says, thought for the day, it doesn't cost anything to be nice. No truer words. I pray again and again to be kind. My heart would learn to be kind. Because being kind means you get out of yourself and you focus on others. And part of the problem is, is as uh, again, we talked about last week, a couple of weeks ago, when you've been hurt and you have pain and you have childhood trauma, there's always part of that that, keeps you wounded and it uh, keeps you focused on self and you got to constantly battle that huh? but i better go on to some of these here forgot someone from tiktok who believes in the rapture and thinks catholics will be left behind <laughs> there you go i'm glad they're all happy 
you have any idea what the gospel that saved us? The gospel that saved us is, gee, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that anyone who believes in him may not die but have everlasting life. So we need to believe in him and no longer live but let Jesus live his life through us to let him pay the penalty for our sins. I'm curious. Hope that helps your curiosity. I promise you, uh, if God is a great and holy and merciful God, if you don't believe in the, mer- uh, the rapture, you're still going to get to heaven. Okay, this is too long for me to read. Now, let's try this one. Dear Father Larry, in May 2015, my niece's wedding, I did not receive communion because I, had gone to con- I hadn't gone to confession. I needed to confess what I felt was a mortal sin. Now, first of all, go back, and I felt as doesn't make anything a mortal sin or not. But anyway, it's go on. My sister, who is who divorced and married outside the Catholic Church without getting an annulment, asked me why I failed to receive communion. She received communion. When I told her that I was not worthy because I needed to go to confession, she accused me of competing, complete, committing the bigger sin and admonished me publicly for not going to communion. Needless to say, I was embarrassed but felt that it was pointless to argue and so just walked away. I also have another sister who had two partial birth abortions, marriage outside the Catholic Church without benefit and annulment, and is an irregular communicant. However, her husband passed away, and neither one speaks to me. How do I pray for them? Well, yeah, first of all, just pray for them. Um, And again, when someone accuses you of something, say thank you and move on, because God knows your heart, and God knows their heart. And sometimes we don't know what's going on in their heart. And that's why it's important for us to, again, I go back to what Mother Teresa said when someone asked her, you know, she says, she told a bunch of nuns, you know the one sin I have never confessed? And they go, oh, Mother, what? I've never had to confess. And they said, what is that, Mother? And she says, that I've ever judged anybody. Huh? I remember reading that thinking, there's no hope for my salvation. Anyway, then... uh, They said, Mother, how can you say that? You've never judged anybody. And she says, because if I judged them, I couldn't love them. So your sister has judged you, but you don't have to judge them back. You can just love them and pray for them, that they would come to know the love of God so they come to deep repentance. That's what's necessary, okay? Okay, let's go back to here for a thing. Uh, da, 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 da. Why does Jesus tell the people he cures not to tell uh, people of their cures? Because it would draw attention to himself and then everybody would come running to him like even today that they were pressing against him so he had to go out in a boat. I don't know if that was today's gospel, but one of the gospels, I'm, I'm getting everything ready for when I'm on vacation. So I put all my posts together ahead of time and I do all my homilies ahead of time. And then I just set them to be ready to go out at seven o'clock in the morning all next week. I won't, uh, that way I can just, uh, it be three hours difference. I don't have to worry about, I can just not work, focus on ministry for a week, which is important. Jesus would go and spend the night in prayer and he would go do these things. He needed to spend time and uh, get refreshed and I need to do the same thing, especially with the deaths and everything I've had in my family. This has not been a good last couple months for me. And so I just need uh, to be with God uh, so he can uh, bring some healing in that to me and my heart. And so I ask your prayers for that. But it's just, uh, yeah, necessary. 
Okay. Heather, thank you, Father, for who you are. You have helped more than I can express. I have been praying for you and hope you can get some rest next week. Thank you, Heather. We will miss your presence in Mass here and there. You're going to have great priests at Mass, so we'll still have daily Mass. And um, Father Chris Barron's a young priest. will have the Mass on Sunday of next week. I'll be here this Sunday, of course. And then, But he's a good man. You'll like him. Um, Lord, make me your servant, humble and meek. Amen. You got it. Good afternoon, Father. Thank you for always convicting me and blessed that I can't read your Bless you. I can't wait to read your book. Uh-huh. I Again, I hope it's, uh, I keep getting out of the way. I keep praying and saying, God, make sure this is you, not me. Uh, but he's the one that put it on my heart so many years ago, and that's why I can't let it go. And I try to let it go sometimes, but he keeps coming back at me. Hi, Jeff. Been good to see you every morning. Uh, thank you for putting me in praying more novenas. It really helping me in my spiritual life. Good. Sydney T. Father Larry, you have a peaceful and blessed vacation. Thank you. The lady is crazy. Yeah, I had to set an alarm to remind me to hop on. I remember to watch Mass in the morning. LOL. LOL. By the way, I am Susan. That's much better, Susan. Our lady. <laughs> the lady is crazy. <laughs> Great explanation. His will, not ours. Link to the document. There you go. If you go to Father Larry Richards, my, my uh, staff linked the document right there. Father, I believe you have missed the question from David above. Let's go back to David above if I missed it. Father, why did Israel? Yeah, no, I dealt with that pretty big today. I spent a good part of that. I read the whole readings in that. So if if you weren't there in the beginning, go back. Or you can go listen to the homily today. It was uh, only three minutes as opposed to like 15 minutes I spent on it. Um. So, Joe, thank you for your explanations. Nancy, that's not true, Father, about too old. You shouldn't be part of, you should be part of Seek. This is so you. <laughs> you tell Seek. I don't, uh, they're, I, I know them all, even though they had uh, Cardinal Dole in there, and he's 73, and him and I have a lot, uh, we speak a lot like each other. He's a good, 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 good guy. Hello, Father. Other faiths say that you must be submerged when being baptized. Are you ready? Are they reading into this too much, basically saying the Catholics baptize and babies don't count? Well, a lot of them don't play, say babies don't count in baptism anyway because they don't have faith. Um, again, it's the, it's the water that's important. The, but even we believe in full immersion because the symbol's better. You go in and you die with Christ and you come up and you rise with Christ. It's a fantastic symbol. And there are some Catholic churches that have uh, full immersion uh, baptisms. But again, it's the elements of, remember an outward sign instituted by Christ that gives grace. So what's the outward sign of baptism? Water. And so whether it's poured, whether you're dunked, it's still water changing you and making you into a beloved child of God. So, Bruce, who's filling in for 7 a.m.? Any update on Father Pat? I was, and again, Father Pat is doing fantastic. He was at dinner the other night, and I said, I thought you were going to be dead. His mind is good, very good. He's relearning how to walk, but he was at the walker, and he didn't need it so much, but I actually took him back to his house. Father Pat said, thanks for all your prayers. He's doing very well, very well. What a good, good man. I've been very happy because he is a good, good man. 
Um, please bring sunshine back to you from Erie from vacation. Let's hope. Will you be doing the Alhambra for retreat? Not this year. Um, probably maybe next year. I won't do it two years in a row is what I was telling. Sorry I missed the beginning uh, uh, to join you for Mass this morning. Good. And again, as soon as I come off here, it goes right on uh, to YouTube, and you can get it anytime on YouTube. So since we have no more questions there, let's go here. I have to get something that's short. Some of these are... YouTube on confirmation. I will receive my confirmation next Easter vigil. Am I supposed to choose two or one name? Just one name for a saint. And someone you, it becomes part of your uh, Christian name. So my saint was St. John the Baptist. Can you imagine? Uh, yes. And um, so my part of my Christian name, it becomes part of my Christian name now. So my Christian name is Lawrence Robert, which is my middle name, John Richards. Uh, because he is the one I wanted to emulate. Sometimes I emulate him too well, but still. Uh, he's a good saint, and so it's part of it. So you pick just one name, and that becomes part of your Christian name. Okay, there's too much of this stuff, so we'll just uh, get on, because I have to go and see my shrink which is necessary today. Um, yeah, so it'll be all good. So again, thanks for being with me today. Thanks for being with us this week. Uh, we Again, we will not meet next week, but I will be praying for you every day. Again, when I'm on vacation or not, I still say a holy hour every day. I still say mass every day. Uh, I still pray for you twice a day. All the, I say all my bravery. Again, there is no uh, vacation from your vocation. So, uh, Please pray for me that the Lord will refresh my heart, uh, bring me healing so I can be a better instrument and get out of the way. Please pray that I get to uh, uh, finish this book so I can finally get it out. It's time. Um, so pray for that. Literally, pray for that. You know, Father, give him the grace to get this book done and help me to surrender to that grace. It'd be fantastic. Okay, so I'll be praying for you. Please pray for me. I love you, and we'll see you, God willing, in two weeks. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you. <laughs>